Let's it fly. Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. And my name, as always, is Troy Moriello. And I am your host, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. We've got a special President's Day edition of the podcast here. Uh, It's just going to be me today, but I just had to get and record a, uh, a recap of the Red Storm's massive 71-65 win over Villanova on Sunday at Madison Square Garden. It's a win that gets St. John's to 19-7 on the year and 7-6 and in the conference. And more importantly, it all but locks up an NCAA tournament bid for the Red Storm, who, you know, as we've all heard, barring some unfortunate collapse, will be making their first uh, NCAA tournament appearance of the Chris Mullen era. And, you know, a 45-28 to second half for the Red Storm in a game that really they played their worst uh, 15 minutes of basketball, I think, really, that I've seen this season. Going back into last season, I have not seen a St. John's team play that poorly on the offensive end and on the defensive end, really. Uh, every shot that Villanova took in the in the uh, first half seemed to be uncontested. Uh, St. John's could not get anything on offense. They were stagnant on offense. It seemed like the effort was not there. I think that the effort was there, but you know, just going off body language, going off performance, uh, the effort and the intensity from really four of the five starters, I don't think it was there. And that resulted in the Red Storm falling behind 29 to 10 uh, in the in the first 15 minutes of this game or 14 minutes in this game. And that's a tough hole to dig out of with Villanova. And I think when you look at this game, you know, and Red Storm fans will obviously uh, have to see this game in a different light. But if a you know a casual college basketball fan looks at this game, they know a little bit about St. John's and they know obviously about Villanova. The final score may not be that shocking. You know this this game opened I think as Villanova was only favored by about a point. I think it ended at Villanova being favored by about four. So you know Villanova was not a massive favorite in this game like last year's game uh Villanova obviously is not the team that they were last year and for the last couple of years now as we saw in this game you know so the end result isn't too shocking I think a lot of St. John's fans were reasonable to uh to expect a win in this game but in the nature that this win came falling behind 29 to 10 to open the gate falling behind digging yourself a 19 point hole you know, the Madison Square Garden Blues looked like they returned for the Red Storm. Uh, just came out of the gate so slow. There was no excuse for how they came out of the gate in this game. And it looked like it was going to be, you know, a 25, a 30-point loss. Because when Villanova makes that run on you, even this year, when Villanova makes that run on you, the game is over. We saw it against Duke, and Villanova is kind of cut from that same uh, cloth where, you know, if they, if they get that lead on you, it's only going to balloon. But to the Red Storm's credit, they fought back. And I think that's what makes this win so shocking. Is that St. John's dug this hole for themselves and did not put their heads down and did not give up. Which is something that we haven't really seen this year. You know, I'm going to get into Chris Mullen in a second and, and his coaching staff. But we don't give them enough credit, I think, for teaching this team because I don't think that that just comes from these players. I think that you have to give these players some credit for this mindset as well but Mullen and his staff have ins- in inserted a mindset into this team where 
you know, the losses and the adversity doesn't seem to hit them as hard game to game, uh, possession to possession, even half to half. You know, St. John's went into that half down 11. Obviously, they had some momentum, but they were still down 11. They scored 26 points in the first half, their lowest output of the season. And, you know, there was a lot to hang your head on in that first half for St. John's, and they did not do that. They did not hang their heads to, uh, to you know, enter the second half. And even in the second half, they were down by 14 with, with what, 12 minutes to go in this game? Uh, they were down 14, actually, 48 to 34 with 12.46 left in this game. Again, that's a chance to give up on this game and just say, hey, not our night. You know, not our night. We'll get them next time, maybe in the Big East tournament. And the Red Storm fought back. And LJ Figueroa played an outstanding game. And Justin Simon, obviously, with his, you know, his uh, three-quarter court shot is going to be the standout. But he played a great game as well. Kind of did everything. Kind of kept them in that game in the first half. Mustafa Heron had another great game. They all picked up from Shamori Ponds. And that's the mark of a program that is changing. You know, and I tweeted that out last night. If you follow me on Twitter, at Troy Moriello, I tweeted that out last night. I said, you know, and I said, allow me to get caught up in the uh, the post-win hysteria. You know, because especially with St. John's, it's been such a roller coaster season. You know, every win for St. John's is we're going to win the Big East. We're going to go to the NCAA tournament. We're going to make an Elite Eight run. You know, every win seems to be that. While every loss is, you know, we're going to miss the tournament. Mullen's got to get fired, yada. And, you know, that's part of that is being fandom. But when you have a team so up and down, the fans obviously reflect that in their in their uh, reactions post game. So I, I, I preface this by saying, let me be caught up in the hysteria. And I think that it's not too hysterical now, 24 hours later, almost 24 hours later, to say that that was a program-changing win for St. John's. I want to modify that and say that that could be a program-changing win for St. John's, depending where they go from here. Because they have had wins like that this season. They have had wins like that in the Big East this season. When you look at the first Marquette win, when you look at the Georgetown win, when you look at the second Marquette win, and when you look at this game now, they've had really four or five chances to you know, capture that program-changing win. And, you know, it's not, you know, with a lot of schools, it's not just a moment where you say that's when our program changed. But with St. John's, this could be it. Down by 19, a 19-point comeback against the defending national champions at Madison Square Garden in front of a garden crowd that was electric. A garden crowd that for once was 75-80% St. John's fans in in their red cheering the team on going insane. The garden hadn't been that loud in years because you know damn well they weren't getting that loud for the Knicks. The garden has not been that loud in years for a college for a, a basketball game, I'm sorry. And That could be a program changer in front of so many recruits, guys that are coming here already, guys that might be coming here. That could be the moment that changes your program. But now the Red Storm have to take advantage of that. You know, this can't be this game against Providence on Wednesday cannot be a repeat of however many days ago. Can't happen. You need to take care of business now. You need to win. What do they have? Five games left. You need to win four of those games. Because now you're in a position where you're off the bubble. St. John's is not on the bubble anymore. Any bracketologist will tell you, you know, uh, Lenardi, Jerry Palm, whoever does the athletics brackets, they will tell you St. John's is no longer on the bubble. They are firmly in the NCAA tournament. Now it's about seeding. And if you want to make a run in the NCAA tournament, you need to get to a six seed. I've been saying that for a while. I said earlier in the season 
that if they want to make a run, I'd almost rather be an 11 seed and not have to play in the playing game, but be an 11 seed to get a three seed if you win the first round game. Because you don't want to be an eight or a nine seed and you don't want to be a seven or a 10 seed because then you're playing a one or a two seed. If you can get up to a six seed now, which is realistic based on what they have left and based on how they've played against the top two teams in the conference, if you can get up to a six seed in the NCAA tournament, you have a chance to make a legitimate Sweet 16 run because you'll be playing an 11 seed in the first round and you'll be playing a three seed likely in the second round who you can beat. And if you look at the remaining schedule, Providence, DePaul, Seton Hall, and Xavier twice, that should be four wins. At the very least, that should be four wins. Seton Hall is a team that's on the bubble, a team that's beaten you already this season. That's going to be a tough game. Providence is going to be a tough game, but you need to get one of those two. You need to beat DePaul. You need to sweep Xavier. And you need to go into the Big East tournament as a three seed in the Big East tournament. And then you know what? Win one game in the Big East tournament, you're in the semifinals. And you're probably playing Marquette, who you've beaten twice this year. Everything is out in front for this team right now. This St. John's team has it all in front of them to not only have a program-changing win now against Villanova, but turn this into a program-changing season for the Red Storm and to make a legitimate run in the Big East tournament and in the NCAA tournament. The talent is there. The road is clear. It's not... It's going to be tough, obviously, but the, the next five games are not going to be the toughest games that they've played this season. They are winnable games. So now here's where you can take this win and you can build off of it. This is where we see if this program is changing. This is now their fourth chance this season to build off of a win. Let's see if they get it right this time and let's see if they actually build off this win. But it is a huge win. No questions asked for St. John's. You know, down by 19 in the first half. And I'm going to go through now. I'm going to give a little recap. And then we're going to go maybe player by player uh, for some of the highlights. And, you know, as I said in in the open, I think that that was really the worst 15 minutes of basketball that I've seen St. John's play. Maybe since Chris Mullen's first year, to be quite honest. It was that bad. Uh, There was no intensity. There was, like I said, it did not look like there was any effort, especially on the defensive end. You know, if shots aren't falling on offense, especially for a team like St. John's that shoots a lot of threes, they were missing a lot of open shots in that in that first 15-minute stretch. You know, you can't fault them for that, for missing shots. Missing open shots is one thing, but just missing shots, it's going to happen from time to time. You're going to go cold on offense from time to time. The problem is they don't move the ball enough, which we which we know. They don't move the ball enough to, to counteract when they're not shooting well. On defense, though, it's no excuse for how many open shots that Villanova took and how many rebounds and how many loose balls Villanova was grabbing. They were just being out-hustled in that first uh, 14 minutes of the game to fall behind 29-10, to 10, like I said, and to, and to you know, be trailing by you know 17 with 4 minutes left and 15 with 6 minutes left. The effort did not look like it was there in the first 60 minutes, but like I said, give them some credit for fighting back, for not putting their heads down, and that Justin Simon buzzer beater seemed to change things it really did and I think that I don't know if they win that game without that Justin Simon buzzer beater especially when you consider Villanova missed a three before that that game could have been could have been 40 to 23 going into the break instead they missed that three Simon grabs the rebound he has the wherewithal to just throw it up and it goes in that's a six point swing potentially in the final you know four seconds of the first half that changed that game drastically and, you know, into the second half, 
again, give this team credit, still down 14 points, excuse me, still down 14 points with just under 13 minutes remaining. And again, they fought, they fought, and they fought. LJ Figueroa was the man tonight. Um, Give uh, Brennan Tierney some credits. He he calls the games on the radio for St. John's, does a great job. Uh, He said, you know, if LJ doesn't get hurt in that first game, if he doesn't twist his ankle, he thinks that they beat Villanova that first game, and he thought LJ would be the X Factor today, and he was 100% right. LJ took over that game tonight, and he picked up for really Shamori Pons playing uh, one of the worst games of his career, I think, as well. Um, and give the Red Storm some credit, too. You know, Villanova was missing shots, but they tightened up their defense, and they, for once, the fundamentals were there down the stretch. They played defense, and they hit their free throws. Can you believe it? 13 of their final 14 free throws, they hit. St. John's did not have a field goal from an L, uh, since after an LJ, Figu- LJ Figueroa uh, three-point shot with 3.53 remaining. Not one field goal. 13 of their final uh, 13 of their final points came from the free throw line. They went 13 of 14, and I think they made their final 11 free throws, I, if, if I'm correct. Or, uh, their final 12 free throws, actually, down the stretch in the last three minutes. That's the mark of a good team. That's the mark of a tournament team. So give them credit for that, for doing the little things right down the stretch. Okay, let's get into some player recaps now. We will uh, go through the starters. We'll talk a little bit about the bench, although there isn't much to talk about on the bench, which in itself is something to talk about. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about the coaching as well. Starting with LJ Figueroa, 22 points, 12 rebounds, 7 of 8 from the free throw line, and most importantly, 3 of 6 from three-point range. And every single one of those three-pointers that LJ Figueroa hit were massive. And most importantly, the last field goal of the game for St. John's with 3.53 to go, giving them a 58-57 to lead that they would not lose this kid's got it. He has the clutch gene. You know, if, if you believe in that or not, I think he has it. I think it's safe to say that he has it. Uh, he just, he, he lives for these big moments. You could sense it. And, you know, in that first half, I think LJ was the one guy who everyone was saying was, was still felt like he's going 100%. You know, I saw someone say on Twitter, it feels like he only has one speed. You know, he, he can go and that's it. He, he He's either going 100% or he's on the bench. Like, like that's it for LJ. And you love that about him because that's the type of intensity that you want to see on your team. But, you know, any expectations that we as fans or even coaches, you know, the coaches could have had for LJ, he's completely surpassed in, uh, in year one. I think that he has made up for, you know, some of the poor uh, Juco transfers that St. John's has had in the past because they completely hit on him. And, you know, I can't wait to see where his career goes from here. But uh, he, he he played an outstanding game. Obviously, without him, they don't win that game. That game is not even close, I don't think, without LJ Figueroa. Another guy who, without him, they obviously do not win this game. And, and a guy who kept them in this game in the first half is Justin Simon. Uh, 12 of his 26, uh, sorry, he had 12 of the Red Storm's 26 points in the first half. He only had one point in the second half, but he carried them in that first half. You know, I think without Simon, that game could have been 20-25 in, uh, in, uh, in the first half going into halftime. Simon kind of kept them afloat, had a couple layups. Obviously, when you think of his game, you're always going to remember the the 70-foot heave at the end to uh, to beat the buzzer, which was huge for them. 
And I like I said, I don't think without that shot, they probably don't win this game. But Simon, aside from that, really kept them in this game in the first half and kept them relatively uh, without striking distance and kept it really from all falling apart for St. John's. But 13 points and eight rebounds from him, that's the exact type of game that they need him to play. You know, score anywhere from 10 to 15, grab a couple rebounds, help out with the rebounding effort. That's exactly what they needed Justin Simon to do. You go down the line, Mustafa Heron, 19 points for him. Uh, really played an underrated game, I think, because a lot of the shine is going to go on LJ and Simon, where Heron was incredible again for them. And, you know, you just see the, the dimension that he adds to this offense when he's on when he's on his game, and it's something else. You know, he gets to the basket so easily. He hit his free throws, hit 7 of 8 down the stretch, or hit 7 of 8, and a lot of them came down the stretch as well. So Heron's another guy, you know, adds that other layer to the offense that you don't see. Uh, Marvin Clark, tough game for Marvin. I, I, I mean, it seems like you can kind of tell early what the game is going to be for him. He only had six points. He shot two of 10 from the field and two of seven from three. He did hit two threes, uh, I think, early in the second half that were big for them. But Marvin, he just had so much, he's had so much trouble staying out of foul trouble, uh, fouled out of this one, and just had a couple of boneheaded fouls. Uh, got the two call, two fouls called on him right away in the second half and had that terrible, uh, it, you know, it was a close call. When he took that charge for his fourth foul, and they called it a block. Um, but, you know, you need to know better if you're Marvin Clark, especially if you're a veteran like Marvin Clark, in my opinion. And this is constructive. I'm not trying to, to rip the guy. But you got to know better, I think, in that, in, that, in that scenario with, what, 15 minutes left in the game and you have three fouls. You've got to know better there. Let, let me not try to take a charge. Because any close call is probably going to go Villanova's way. You just know that. That's how it is in the Big East. Villanova always gets the benefit of the whistle. So you know if it's a close call, it's going to be a block. I think that you've got to know that and you've got to say, let me, you know, give him the layup. Or, or you know, let my teammate who was there try to take that foul because at the end of the day, that really ended his game. When he picked up his fourth foul with 15 minutes to go, he, you knew he was not really going to be a factor down the stretch. And then he picked up his foul, kind of a fifth foul, kind of late in the game. So... Marvin, you know, he's had some trouble defending without fouling, and that that's hurt his offensive output as well because it's hard to get in a rhythm when you're constantly going back and forth from the bench to the court or when you have to sit for long periods of time because you pick up, you know, two fouls in the first half with 10 minutes remaining. So for Marvin, you know, his success now in these final five games of the regular season in the Big East tournament and hopefully in the NCAA tournament is going to hinge on his ability to defend without fouling. And they're asking him to do a ton. They really are asking him to do a ton, especially when they don't really play their bench like like this game. But at the end of the day, he's got to learn how to defend without fouling if he's going to stick on the court for this team uh, down the stretch. And last but, last but not least, uh, Shimori Pons. One of the worst games, again, of his career. Uh, 11 points on 2 of 14 shooting. Uh, went 0 of 4 from three-point range as well. Hit seven of his eight free throws. St. John's did a really nice job with free throws in this game. Uh, Heron, Pons, and Figueroa all went seven of eight from the line. But you know, winning I think covers up a lot of sins. And you know, that's not to say Shimori played a dumb game. He just didn't play a great game. You give him a pass for the for the Duke game, covered up by uh, by Trey Jones, who is the the best defender. And you know, Villanova is an in very good defensive team as well but in this game it just looked like Pons didn't have it and that worries me 
down the stretch that they've played two big games now. Well, and you know, he had it against Marquette. Let's let's not forget the Marquette game that he played uh, in between the Duke game and this one, but that's now two out of the last three big games of this season for Pons where he's kind of looked off. And that uh, I think that's a little bit concerning, a little bit worrisome. You know, we've seen this kid deliver in big moments. Like I said, it never really feels like the moment is too big for him. So I'm not terribly worried for Pons. We've seen him deliver against Duke last year, against Villanova last year, against Marquette last year. We've seen him deliver against these teams in the past. So I think that it's it's there for Shimori. And I think that he will respond. And I think that he'll respond maybe next game. I think he'll find his groove. But they need him to find a more consistent groove. He's still shooting uh, this season the best that he shot in his career. Although his point per game is a little bit down. But he's got the talent around him to pick up. And I think that speaks a lot about the talent for St. John's. They put up 71 points in this game and uh, put up 45 points in the second half. And Pons only had 11. And Pons shot 2 of 14 from the field. And they and they still scored 71 points. That speaks to the supporting cast for St. John's and the supporting cast of starters. Because no, nothing came from the bench in this game. And Pons and Clark combined for 17 points. And the other three guys in this starting lineup were able to pick up pick up for them. Speaks a lot to the starting five and the talent of this starting five. But, you know, where the starting five ends, the depth now seems to end for St. John's. And we saw that in this game. Uh, Brian Trimble got 18 points, CD, uh, 18 minutes, sorry. CDK got 14 minutes. Greg Williams got two. He barely even played. None of them scored. Uh, Kata grabbed a rebound and had a steal, and Trimble did the same, had a rebound and a steal. I, they did not really go to the bench too much. I mean, Trimble and Kata, uh, we thought that we might see Josh Roberts didn't play at all in this game. Not sure why. Uh, Greg Williams barely played at all. And, you know, this is a game, though, where I feel like you could have used Josh Roberts to, like like I told Brennan Myers the other, uh, on Wednesday, bring Josh Roberts in just to take some of the pressure off of Marvin Clark and LJ Figueroa and Justin Simon so that they don't have to worry about fouls. You know, stick Josh Roberts in there. And like like we, we talked about, if he's only playing for 15 minutes, let him rack up three or four fouls. You know, he's a freshman and he can do that. And, and Josh Roberts has some talent, and I'm not sure why he's not playing. I'm not. Because he's shown you the talent and the athleticism to do something. You know, and, and, and what what worse can it be? Because Kata, Williams, and Trimble didn't have a huge impact on this game one way or the other. So what could what worse could playing uh, Josh Roberts, adding him to that mix be? I don't know, and I, I'm not really trying to figure it out, to be honest with you. But you know they're gonna need something from the bench down the stretch uh, if if they're gonna if they're gonna compete long term. But I do want to talk about the coaching for a second because uh, you know it seems like as I mentioned earlier, you know the wins we don't really talk as much about this coaching staff. We don't give them as much credit, but give them some credit. Like I said, for instilling the mindset in this team to never get too down on on themselves. You know, for, for, for keeping this team always, you know, I'm not always positive, but, you know, for keeping this team feeling like they could always be in a game, no matter what, give them some credit for that. And give Chris Mullen some credit. Because, you know, Chris Mullen, Greg St. Jean, they must have made some sort of changes to outscore Villanova by 17 in the second half. So give them some credit. 
you know, we, we complain about the in-game adjustments from Mullen and St. Jean. We complain about, you know, late-game execution. Both of those look great in this game. You know, from halftime to the second half, looked like a different team for St. John's, especially on the defensive end. Um, you know, down the stretch, hitting free throws. You know, you know, playing tighter defense for the Red Storm. Playing smarter offense down the stretch. Those are things that you have to give this coaching staff some credit for. And we we haven't seen a whole lot of progress in that this year, but this was one of those games where you say, okay, we see the progress. And I'm impressed by that. I'm very impressed by the coaching staff tonight. You have to give them some credit because they, they arguably, they outcoached Jay Wright and his staff down the stretch in this game. You have to give them some credit for that. Uh, great job out of Mullen and co. But now we see, you know, where, where it can go from here. But yeah, that just should wrap up things for today. I think uh, 20 plus minutes of just listening to me talk is probably enough for, for today. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, the the backstage uh, or the behind the curtain of this of this show was um, texting my father last night, and he said, you know, you, you better put out a show before the Providence game because I, I, this doesn't get reflected so much on Twitter and so much in this show. But I am a, a pessimistic fan, I would say, more often than not with my teams, with all my teams, and. You know, the, 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 the optimist in me, the optimistic fan in me said, okay, well, now they can go on the run. And the pessimist in me said, nah, they might lose to Providence now. So <laughs> that was the, the pessimist in me uh, poked out for a second and said, let me get a show out there just in case the Providence game on Wednesday is a loss. I'll at least have something to po- positive to talk about for this show instead of doing my show on Wednesday or Thursday like we usually do and having a recap and a, you know, a frustrating loss. So we might still have a show on Wednesday or Thursday of this week. We probably will um, with, with a guest this time as well. But I wanted to, uh, to get this one out there so it could be a full positive show now uh, uh, you know, for you guys to listen to and for you guys to enjoy. So thank you all for listening. We will probably be back uh, later this week, as I said. And, uh, yeah, huge win for St. John's. And now we hope that they can build on it down the stretch. So until next time, everyone enjoy the rest of your President's Day if you're listening to this on Monday. And I will see you guys later this week. Let's go, Johnnies.